going for boost over well i think going for boost if you're a boost merchant like someone like aj or someone you go for boost <laughs> One hundred percent of the time. Yes. Always, every second of every game. Ball's going in your net. Don't worry about it. Go get the boost and make sure you've got the full one hundred to celebrate with the other team. Um, boost over ball is when you're is a good time when your opponent is dribbling towards your own corner and you know it has no threat to go into your net at all and your teammate is behind you for sure if, if all of those align it's better to just take your corner boost let him just dribble in the wall for useless and force him to go back with zero that would be a better time to take boost over ball If you've ever wondered when the best time to go boost over ball is, you've come to the right place. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Over Ball podcast. Today we have a special interview with Bel Air Baller, a podcaster, ROCS statistician, and analyst. We talk about everything from the current state of NA Rocky League with FaZe and Gen G to predictions for the upcoming major. This is a fantastic episode. I think it went really well. Please, I hope you enjoy and uh, give him some love with the links I post in the episode description. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah, man, uh, it's uh, it's something that I've kind of been into for a long time. I mean, in my personal, professional life, I have a sports background. I went to school for it. I've worked in you know professional and collegiate um, traditional sports, I guess you would say, not legit sports. Uh, but you know, esports kind of was. A natural progression of that i mean being around the collegiate scene when i was in school i was the traveling manager for um i went to florida state um a lot of firsts on this podcast I, i've never really given personal info but it's cool um i i was the traveling manager for them and then i kind of transitioned once i entered the workforce and um you know i spent a, a smidgen of time with the dallas cowboys as an intern and then um, I work for the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, the hockey team, uh, and COVID kind of took a lot of stuff online. I mean, I had always played a lot of video games, even back to being a kid, like old school RuneScape and then like COD 4 and then NBA 2K. And, you know, I've kind of touched in on a lot of stuff, but really once I, uh, once COVID happened and I was kind of sitting on my hands with a little more free time than I had before working in sports and there being zero events or concerts or anything. Uh, I had a couple of buddies who played a lot of Rocket League and as somebody who has turned down probably 20 invitations to start playing games in the past because I don't want to, I'm a person who just plays one game. Like I don't put my fingers on a lot of things and they're like, hey man, you got to play Rocket League. And I was like, no, because I know if I play it, I'm going to be bad and that's going to make me mad. So I'm just going to have to play it a ton. <laughs> and finally they broke me down and uh, I was just hooked instantaneously. Um, just putting in so many hours. And as a competitive person, my kind of knee jerk reaction was to say, I mean, there's got to be a professional scene for this. So I found the RLCS and that was probably season nine season X roughly. And okay. from then just 
dove in head first. That's awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, I I am a, a big fan of your tweets. I'll put your 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 social media links and stuff in the in the episode description. But um, I am like, I come from a science background. I generally enjoy more of the stats stuff that that uh, especially for like the NFL, like their like the Amazon Web Service, they put out like their advanced sure. metrics. So it, it's cool to see that people are starting to do that and using that to their advantage for Rocket League. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's my first because I, I came from basically an NBA fandom background and stats took that over just like they have a lot of other traditional sports. And so getting in here and there basically being no stats, it's scary to tweet numbers. You have a science background, so you're probably a little more comfortable with it. But I am about as bad at math as people come. So every time I tweet something out, I'm so nervous. <laughs> but... I have to like double check everything because all my numbers are in metric and nobody, yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. knows that. <laughs> I like tweeted out. I'm like, oh man, hopefully I don't, hopefully that wasn't completely wrong. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's cool to see that, you know, the RLCS is kind of at the forefront, like for, for being such a young esport, you know, to kind of be picking stuff up like that. And there's a ton of people, especially on Twitter and YouTube who, who, already i feel like do it a lot better than i do but i'm i'm happy to happy to contribute yeah i mean i like there's certainly in my opinion at least a lot of room for growth with like statistics and analytics in esports in general but more specifically rocket league right so you think about like a lot of the maybe not tier one organizations but like Mm -hmm. bigger organizations that are going to try and get like a bang for your buck team right like m80 coming and picking up the team that they did luminosity picking up previous teams that they did like uh, evil geniuses have come in and gotten like a not like the like the top level roster and have found success so like using metrics like that i think could help a lot of these smaller or not tier one organizations find you know a pretty like bang for your buck team to sign Oh, for sure. I mean, it's great to kind of, you know, proverbially moneyball your way in into it in, in some ways. And you might have more perspective on this as well. But just as I remember early on, what kind of drove me to start looking into stats and things like that was watching high level Rocket League. I was like, I have no clue what's going on. Like, it's so fast. I can't tell you who's good at defense, who's necessarily great at offense. And of course, now our understanding is growing but i tried to look into stats and it's just so difficult to decipher like you had reached out i I know you and karma had touched briefly on like the challenge aspect of things like that like i have no clue if you if you told me that you know m80 for example were the best challenging team i'd be like well yeah maybe you know yeah i don't know so it's it's cool to see kind of the discussion getting getting a little deeper um but, you know, I, I don't know if, if you kind of look at it and feel like stats are progressing or if they've stagnated or if we're kind of missing, if there's big gaps in the statistical armor, as it were, or where you kind of lie on things like that. I mean, I am a big ball chasing fan. Yeah. So, you know, the stats that they have on their you know website are seemingly endless. However, there's like from like the coaching side, there are certain statistics that I can look at to try and help like direct players to like try and improve right so like the like overfill like on boost mm-hmm. is a big one per, like super amount like amount supersonic like sure boost used like 
not like wasted like if you're already going supersonic you don't need to boost like amount yeah. of boost wasted things like that the heat maps are super cool like, yeah showing like uh, player positioning and stuff like that but i would be interested in and i don't know how you would track it through ball chasing because it's not like technically a like a stat but like 50s mm-hmm. so like I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to, it'd have to be something in the coding with like, you know, a person touches a ball, but then, you know, another person also touches the ball like roughly at the same time. I don't know how you would measure who wins or loses a 50, but yeah, I mean, like Karma specifically said that she feels like EU is ahead of NA because NA does not challenge well. Their midfield game is not very good. And you kind of see that and you think back and you're like, okay, well, what series have I watched recently where that shows? And you're like, oh, well, you know, the grand finals at World, at World Championships. G2 looked yeah. phenomenal all through playoffs. And you look at it and you're like, oh, well, shit, they played all NA teams and FURIA. Mm-hmm. And FURIA, it's, like, really, very offensive. There, the, There's very little, you know, there was very little defense at that time in SAM. Sure. And then you get to the grand finals against an EU team, and it looks like they shit the bed. The buzzsaw that yeah. was BDS. That, like, I didn't even think, I mean, BDS was playing well, but I didn't think they were playing that well. And G, I thought G2 was the best, te- like, best-looking team in the tournament, and they, like... See, it, it appeared. I know it's not, but like it appeared that they just didn't want to play. They're like, "Yeah, we're we're done for today. It's fine." Yeah, we made the grand finals. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because VDS was transcendent in that game, and really a lot of stats. And it's kind of a, I, I don't want to derail the point too far, but it's kind of a lot of it really comes down to the eye test at this point in time, right? Like statistics are really useful, but it is kind of nice that you still have to kind of watch the games like a lot of my um i try and like parallel a lot of the kind of framework i use for the rlcs to have it rooted in another sport like for me it's the nba kind of what has been the historical kind of growth of of that where have statistics gone what can we learn from those where can they be misleading and then try and take some of that knowledge and bring it over to the rlcs and there's some people in the nba who are just so into statistics that it kind of glazes their reality of what's actually occurring when you watch basketball and it's it's cool that we're kind of in this nice little sweet spot where like of course i am somebody who is really interested in seeing the progression of statistics in the rlcs but for this little pocket of time it is kind of nice that you still have to watch like a ton of rocket league to have an informed opinion um but i don't really know that point just kind of just kind of trailed off. I don't really have a, a segue back to what we were talking about, but yeah, no, I know, think that's a, I think that's a really good point though. Cause like, I mean, I, I played hockey growing up. I have a hockey, like I know it's like some hockey metrics and like, yeah, they have like predictive models about, you know, like certain stats, like points per game and like, you know, goals above replacement stuff like that. There's, I'm sure that there's stuff for NBA. I don't know. I'm off the top of my head, but like, there's some, like there's some players that like the analytics community just love. Like, their analytics are phenomenal. And you watch them and you're like, how do you like them? They're not good. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. And so, like, I'm sure that there's, like, just like with any other sport, there's going to be people that, like, pass the eye test. But you're like, okay, well, this it's like, for me, the, the person that pops out is calm. Yep. Right? You're like, okay, well, there's no way that this is sustainable. There's no way he can continue to perform at, 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 at a high level as he has been. But then he does. And it's 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 interesting how he's kind of one of the people who falls victim to it's so tough because we don't have a lot of cumulative analytics at this point. But rating is something that especially when I first started looking at things, 
it was like my holy grail of like ah the rating like here is the answer to all my questions but you look around just kind of the the whole scope of the rlcs and you see some people who are rated so poorly but then you actually watch and it's typically some of your veteran players rating doesn't love defense like torment uh com is always down there arsenal is always down there and it's like i know they're better than what the rating says but it's also like a fairly good barometer for where things are so i i know it's going to continue to get better but it's uh we haven't got the we haven't got the perfect you know the chef's kiss of uh of ratings just yet yeah but uh and i mean even like yeah. even the game itself doesn't like necessarily reward all like in the statistical categories that they track like in the game it doesn't necessarily reward people like sufficiently in some cases so like you look at yeah. someone like atomic on g2 or mist on phase and it's like well their job is to clear the ball and win the midfield challenges before the ball even gets to your defensive half but you're gonna yeah. get two points for touching the ball, and that's it. Like you're 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 gonna get like a hockey assist, right? So like it's missed passing it to to Sipical, who's you know, diming up for who's diming up AJ for a go- or first killer for a goal. Yeah. And like that doesn't go on the stat sheet, but that like plays such a huge role in like the out the outcome of the game. A massive part, and there's all of the kind of intangible stuff that is impossible. It's like the uh, I don't have a, a hockey reference, but like. Draymond Green, who historically never shows up on the stat sheet, but there's so many intangible things from leadership until he punched his teammate. But leadership and, you know, um, what he can do to kind of make things happen off the ball, like extra is a pretty good parallel to him. Like there's a lot of stuff where it's like if you just looked at strictly just pulled the Excel sheets or looked at ball chasing, you'd be like, wow, extra is like a pretty mid-tier player, but, you know. And and that kind of gets into this whole this whole BDS uh, rabbit hole of what's going wrong <laughs> with them. But you know, he's one of those players who does more than what the stats show. And there's people who have their stats show more than what they actually do. It's kind of it's all over the board, and it's impossible to kind of how do you go between the regions and make the stats make sense? Like it's so difficult to if you just sort by everybody it's like oh cool so apac is the best region in the world and it's not even close they're averaging like five goals a game it's like okay it's just like unbelievable but yeah that's my uh that's my that's my stats tangent thanks for thanks yeah. for uh, letting me <laughs> i have one last question on the stats the for stats sure. tangent yeah, yeah. then and it may be less of a question more of a like a, a topic but like sure. i mean you bring up the region bias and that is something that i have not thought about and like that, like you watch the RLCS broadcast, you go to like an mm-hmm. event in person, they put it up on the big screen. It's like, you know, FaZe is averaging 2.6 goals per game. And then, you know, before the move, Furia is averaging six a game. And you're like, oh, well, this isn't going to be close. <laughs> well, no, Furia plays played in Sam and Sam was not a very big defensive region. And it was, you know, a lot of solo plays. So they score a lot of goals. And you look at yeah. someone like OCE. OCE's pretty high scoring. It's not necessarily because there's no defense. It's just... They play a very bump demo, heavy style, a lot of passing plays, and that that that's how they do it. And then EU is, you know, they've started to differentiate themselves and separate themselves as being head and shoulders above, above uh, other regions. And you know, passing plays, solo plays. You look at like the success of like Liquid and and Carmine Corp, and like you, it's hard to compare statistics for teams that very rarely play against each other. For sure. It's, it's, it's really like, it's an imperfect science. There's no way to do the task in a way that makes 
perfect sense, but a couple of things that came to my mind while you're talking about it is like, uh, I, it's, it hurts my eyes to just look at a ton of numbers and make sense of that. So something I got into the habit of doing was trying to pull averages and like doing it for each region. Right. So if I tell you like this, these are made up numbers, but if I tell you like first killer averages 2.12 goals per game, like that kind of doesn't really, it's just kind of a floating number for me personally. It's not really rooted in anything. Like I don't really understand. We don't have enough history to kind of know what that number means. Or maybe a better example is like Nali has 1.7 like goals per game. Is that good? Average? Bad? So finding averages and then kind of using certain players that I know is kind of like anchor points. Like if you're trying to compare OCE to North America, for example, I have no idea who 60% of the players in OCE are. Sorry to the region, but I, I don't watch enough of it to feel super informed. But I sure know who Super Locky is. I know who Fiber is. I know who, um, you know, uh, Horsauce is, players like that. So using them as anchor points to seeing where they lie within the averages and then saying, okay, cool. So now that I have that context, I can now take that and try and parallel it to North America and try and make the numbers make a little more sense. Um, that's, that's something that I've tried to get into the habit of doing. But even with all of that said, it's impossible within North America because there's so many different play styles. Like it's really difficult to compare, um, who's a really offensive space station gaming who scores a lot to, um, version one who are a more defensive style like how do you bridge the gap between those two teams and what their styles do so i don't know really it's like it's it's tough to just kind of dive headfirst into stats really what i try and do beforehand is like have a question and then try and attack it with with the numbers as opposed to just like looking at the stats and being like let me see who's who's good because we just don't have enough context like the rlcs has only been around for what less than a decade for sure yeah so we don't really have the historical understanding of how things have gone and even within that context it's so new that what we see now is just leaps and bounds better than what season three looked like so it really is all kind of an impossible task i feel like we're just kind of laying the foundation for you know the next couple of years when all of the numbers will make a lot more sense than they do now yeah i mean i i don't envy the task of trying to uh, compare stats that are seemingly like not comparable. Yes, yeah. like like you said, version one plays a very defensive style, so they they win a lot of games two one one nothing. Whereas you know a, a space station is going to try and win like four like four three four five goals, and they don't care if they let up three or four if they're winning by yeah. one. It doesn't matter. But so it's like you know how do you compare that to you know the fact that beast mode's averaging a goal a game where daniel's averaging three like those are not real numbers but like you know but version one is doing better than space station like okay well that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense they're not scoring but yeah so i think it's again it goes kind of back to that like the eye test with the the analytics until the analytics get to a point where you can bridge that gap for sure and even the eye test is tough right like if 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 i were to ask and this is like a, a rhetorical question, but if I were to ask you, like, what does Parth do? It's like, ah, well, you know, he kind of, 
he's like in the midfield and he like assists and stuff. It's like, I, it's just so, or he's, he's a pretty fringe example. Like, uh, like who's somebody better like Garrett G like, what does Garrett G do? It's like, we don't, we're still also building out like the vocabulary to contextualize what we're actually seeing, you know, like Garrett is fast and he scores and the best buzzword ever is mechanical, right? You can just like kind of slap mechanical on it for like 85% of players, you're like, ah, well, you know, he's like super mechanical. And it's like, well, there's no, that's like, uh, that's like taking like hockey and being like, he's really athletic. It's like, yeah. oh, thank you. Thank you for the, now I know exactly. <laughs> I feel like if you did like the, like the, you know, drink every time somebody said mechanical, you'd, you'd be yeah. dead. You'd be dead before the broadcast was half over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everybody's mechanical and we kind of have no kind of, you know, we, we don't have the, the dictionary quite yet to, to explain it, but it's tough, but it's it's exciting too. You know, the challenge is, is part of the thing that makes it so enticing is to try and understand what the hell's going on. And there's also probably got to be some like wonder and excitement about being on like the front end of the front end of it. If, if that's directed at me, thank you for considering me on the front end. I feel like I'm, I'm lacking on everything. It's, it's cool to be uh it's like things have been growing and developing, which is which is awesome to see. But also, it's very nice to still uh, feel and and the numbers show that I'm still a very uh, like small creator, if you want to use that word, because uh, there's not a lot of pressure on me to <laughs> to do anything. You know, I can kind of just I'm I'm still trying to figure figure things out, like the 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 Twitter and the statistics. I've been doing that for. Uh, for for a while now but even that is kind of a a newer iteration right like it's just trying to kind of keep zigging and zagging until you kind of find the thing that that not only works but also is kind of interesting like when i first got into the stats and people were like oh it's cool to see the stats i was like oh no 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 don't like i don't know how to do any stats (laughs) please (laughs) please no pressure on the on the stats or anything like that but the kind of bring it back to what you're saying it is it is cool right like this is um it's a brand new esport and i don't i don't know about you but i don't really have the full context of other esports like i of course have taken some some i've dipped my toes in the water on a bunch of things like i was really into league of legends for a long time and watched the competitive scene there like csgo and call of duty league and stuff like that but for me the rlcs like i think it's going to be around for you know, forever, hopefully, in, in some form or fashion, like it might not always be called Rocket League and it might, you know, take some slightly different forms. But I look at it as the early days of like the NBA, like it's cool to be able to be here and feel like I am gaining the context now because it's very difficult to go backwards once you're getting into it. Like I got in at season nine, feel like I have a decent understanding of the seasons previously but really it's all kind of like the modern game so it's cool to be getting this experience now as opposed to three years from now and then be like who the hell is first killer you know so it's it's cool that we're kind of here now and experiencing it because that'll be really helpful it'll pay dividends in the long run hopefully yeah for sure but i mean like we came from like cell phones like not not everybody had a cell phone to you know still using like floppy disks on you know computers in the computer lab and have come you know all the way to now right where it's like 
I, I say like on the the front like the the front end of like esports in general, but like I mean I, I don't coach for Northwood. I'm not like you know that front end. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But like still, I mean I'm I'm able to 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 coach collegiate esports team which is awesome like for hockey league which is awesome i you know get to interact with the the collegiate like call of duty players the league of legend team the overwatch team they yeah. kick, they kick my ass in all those games too and <laughs> but i mean it, it's it's cool to be a part of it's cool to like find like your niche your niche like you said and like enjoy like being able to contribute to a scene that's still kind of evolving and growing like in your own way right so like i mean I, i'm not like you know, the, like the chalked cast or the CJCJ show, right? I didn't play professional <laughs> Rocket League. I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of how to play, how to get better. You know, that's, that's why I'm a coach. That's why I, you know, thoroughly enjoy doing this podcast, being able to like tell people about Rocket League for people who maybe don't have the time to watch every weekend. Like I yeah. try to do, but it's just for me, at least just exciting to, to be a part of it, to be able to kind of listen to people, you know, hear my mediocre takes and you know my my bad predictions for for stuff although i am running a, a three and zero streak on team liquid uh for eu stuff but that's uh, i had to, had to put that out there because some of my other takes have just been so bad that is a rickety streak that you're running there with team liquid they yeah. could they could totally collapse or they could win the whole thing i feel like they're kind of a a, a dark horse going into the major but i had falcons as the second best team going into the fall major so we are uh we're we're even on our uh awful takes hey i mean they totally fizzled they looked so good at gamers eight they you know until the until the very end but you know they continue to be like the biggest unknown yeah in my opinion at least it's it's tough right like even because it it's they didn't get in until last season right in uh fall major last year they had a sub they were there with um oh geez i'm gonna be so mad at myself for um not recalling i can see his face trk instead of okalid they had um okalid missed yeah because trk played for him oh yeah because he's um uh it could have been and then they had um senzo i think came in at some point alongside ahmad and um but then it, they couldn't make it to the winter major because of visa issues. And then in spring major, they make the grand finals via uppers. And then they totally fall apart to moist. And then they never really got to get things going at the world championship. So it was like, ah, but they've been right there. They've been right at the precipice, you know? And it was the same with liquid, right? Like they just came in like spring split, spring major. It was like, dang, they, they look pretty good. Like, they can kind of get things rolling, but I don't know. There's just, that's the tough thing about the RLCS, too, is all of us can make predictions from, like, my mom has just as good of a chance of making a prediction as, like, Johnny Boy does. Like, it's so volatile at these international stages. Like, who knows what's what's going to happen. You could tell me nine different teams are going to win this thing, and I, I would, like, I would believe you. You know, it's so tough. I mean, and, like, there's there's, like, uncontrollable, like, intangible stuff, too, like, you know, at, at World Championships, Arsenal, like, being sick. Yeah. Like, getting food poisoning or whatever it is that happened to him. There's, you know, uh, Semper getting COVID and only one person being able to play the stage. <laughs> like, I, like there's there's outside, like, outside forces can have an impact, too. Like, Calm yep. standing up and screaming at you from across, across the aisle. Like, you know, the 
like for EU teams and NA, the fans, and the same thing for NA teams and EU, right? Like you're you're gonna get, you know, all kinds of different imp- different things that impact the results. But I mean that that's part of the appeal, and that's the reason people go to the events. That's the reason that people watch. And it's kind of like uh, we're we're in the middle of March Madness right now. It has some there's some similar connective tissue to these kind of it's not one and done because it's a series, but it's kind of a one and done when you kind of it's it's all within like an hour, you know, Um, as opposed to like the NBA where it's like, oh, we got like a week and a half to figure this out over seven full games and a bunch of time in between. And, you know, so you have that element where it's kind of a one and done. And also, as I knock my mic over, these are kids right like for the most part like relatively speaking compared to like myself or or yourself like we're 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 like dinosaurs compared to the people who are competing in like mental aspect you know i looked into it at the world championships and the oldest player competing cj yeah (laughs) he was 25 oh so old I jeez. You look at like, so like old. you look at like Liquid. They're like all sixteen year old kids. You look at like Vitality. They're getting younger, especially with Zen coming in and yeah. being eligible for the the spring split. I mean, it's it it truly is incredible to watch the, these kids fucking do some crazy stuff and compete as well as they do, and be able to handle the stress and the pressure as well as they are. I went to a high school of like a hundred kids, and I would for basketball games our arena would be full of like 25 people watching and they were all parents and i would be nervous for that so the concept of (laughs) at the same age playing a game that's primarily online and you're never really in front of people to take that kind of context that you have and then be like cool so we're gonna drop you in front of thousands of live people and there's three other players on the other side and tens of thousands of people watching online like good luck like it makes sense why some of these people kind of crumble but then you have teams like liquid oski just had his 16th birthday and uh they've looked awesome at points online so who knows it's such an inexact science but again that's kind of the cool thing about it for sure but uh i'll transition us a little bit back to 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 kind of na and I, I want to say we've had a little bit of a changing of the guards uh, in terms of the top of NA, but I don't know if I'm allowed to, like, I don't know if I can say that. I mean, Gen G has been dominant through the fall split and the very beginning of the winter split. They looked fantastic. You know, they they missed their first grand finals ever as a team uh, in the winter split. And, you know, FaZe is able to, you know, with two major wins are able to take first place. So I don't know if it's a changing of the guard, if it's, you know, Genji slipped up. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on that in general? And then do, do the stats kind of back any of that up? Yeah. I mean, scattered thoughts about it. Like, um, I guess first things first, we've seen this from phase before, right? Where they hop out early and kind of punch the region in the mouth. And it's like, Oh, phase here's what we've always expected. But Really, their Achilles heel has always been their online performance. I mean, I think Mist is a net gain over AJ. Like, not that AJ is somebody who can't perform at major events, but, you know, Mist is somebody who has been there and done that. He was kind of the first fiddle for that Envy Optic 
team who made a more impressive world championship run than I think a lot of people thought, and he's kind of been around. So they kind of brought him in to kind of bolster that. Roldiz has the same effect, but, you know, it's a it's a great meme, but it's also historical. Like, fourth killer, they just can't, they've never been able to overcome that hurdle. So we're going to see. And, you know, I, I, I think if you... If you're looking at it in a vacuum, I know it almost sounds counterintuitive, but I wonder if it is a negative that Faze are kind of the uh, the favorites coming into this event. If you're a team who has always kind of collapsed under pressure at international events, is the thing that you need to make you feel better about it, having everyone in the scene saying that you're the favorites? I don't know if that necessarily makes the mental you know, challenge easier for them. But, you know, Genji, I feel like they're still kind of right there. I mean, they did lose twice to phase, but one of those was a game seven, almost reverse sweep. It was just too little juice, too late from Genji. And the other one was kind of a blowout. But, you know, if you're Genji and you're looking at it, you owned phase online or offline rather at the at the fall major and you only lost to two teams this entire split you lost to phase twice in playoffs and you lost to complexity once in swiss in the open and then you beat the crap out of them in the grand finals of that same event so i feel like you're feeling pretty good if you're gen g i don't feel like there's a lot of pressure on them to win this because they already got it and there's so many teams out there who can do it but you know to parallel that to phase that's probably exactly where you want to be if you're gen g like you know nobody's expecting you to win it so you can kind of just come in here and basically any result is okay barring like a complete catastrophe but i, I just don't think this team i think their their floor is too high to to totally fall apart but you know at the end of the day it's it's results driven right like you were saying if phase are the kings of north america the results certainly back it up i mean this is this is the best they've they've looked so far this this season in my opinion but the million dollar question is we'll, we'll see if they what they look like online you know yeah i mean fourth killer is a good one i've heard that one once once or twice before our, our kind of ongoing joke is fourth clan yeah fourth clan yeah you know i mean they, so like you know the ongoing joke you know phase down fourth clan and yeah. <laughs> you can't really say that i mean they like like you said they're generally their Achilles heel has been online play. They've generally done a little bit better in LAN events than they have online, but they flipped some kind of switch. They figured it out. Rolled is, you know, has them outperforming what they can do, which I, I don't really think it's that last one, but I mean, they've, they looked like, especially in the, in the invitational, they looked incredible. Yeah. Especially on championship Sunday. I mean, they, like they, they almost speed run like NA almost speed ran that, championship sunday mm -hmm. i think there's like they played one extra game than they had to yeah it was uh it was almost like a perfect sweep the whole way through against some quality teams too you know yeah i mean i i really like complexity i think i really enjoy the way that they play it's not exactly the most sustainable but um the flashy plays are cool i think crr and raise bull and they, they've just they've done really well i think that picking up crr was a fantastic addition for them um, and FaZe, quite frankly, just demolished them. Like, it was yeah. never, I was never close. I never thought that Complexity was going to take a game. 
And it is kind of that, to your point, it's kind of that mental aspect of when NRG was at the top, part of it was that they were incredibly talented and their style just worked super well. Yeah, very mechanical, exactly. (laughs) But another part of it was just, I think a lot of teams went into that matchup and they were just like, we're not going to beat NRG. And if you're phased, those are exactly the kind of wins you want. Like no playing with your food, no letting series slip away from you. Just like we are going to roll you in a really serious moment. Like that's, that's exactly what you want if you're phase. And I think, you know, now that we're kind of past it, looking back at them losing to M80 in the open, in the quarterfinals, I think that was the best thing that could have happened to them this split. Like it wasn't, you know, you're not just going to waltz in here and kind of walk over teams. Like you kind of got to show up. And I think that kind of, that got them into form and, you know, they, they, they answered the bell to their, to their credit, like to turn around and win two straight. Um, it definitely brings them some momentum. Unfortunately, there's like what five weeks in between that invitational win and the major. So who knows how much of that'll, you know, how much of that momentum will translate, but they're definitely in the driver's seat for sure. Man, I mean, there's got to be like, to some extent, like you think about it with like conventional sports, right? Like there's like, you have that swagger to you. You have that, like mm-hmm. the momentum, the mojo, whatever you, you kind of want to say, but like, you know, I feel like, especially to play at a professional level, you know, regardless of if it's esports or regular sports, you got to like, at least to some degree, think that you're the shit. Yeah. Right? And so like, you know, is this finally going to be phases internet, like LAN event? Because, you know, right now, quite frankly, they are the shit in NA, right? Yeah, two, two, for real two regional wins back to back in dominant fashion you know they they almost let genji like pull it away from them in that in that uh in the open but they you know they've looked fantastic it's almost like a brand new team in my in my personal opinion just the way that they've been able to come out and dominate teams for sure and you know i i think a big part of it was i i don't know uh it's i it's such like a uh, like a talking head sports like buzz thing to be like X doesn't get enough credit, but first killer really deserves a lot of credit for how he has adjusted his play style. Like for a really long time, everybody trashed him for being like, all he does is ball chase, like back to the rogue days. Yeah. It's like, all he does is ball chase. He's just a, you know, empty stats, like good stats, bad team guy. He'll never really be able to like take a team over the hump if if he's gonna play like this and you know he's now kind of a part of a pretty cohesive attack like they don't have these it's not like some crazy inconsistency like you kind of know what you're getting from them on the pitch statistically mentally and and you know especially in the online forum so you know first killer is definitely the best player on that team so he's just kind of the de facto leader in that way and you know i think he's been leading by example of course they've just continued to make iteration after iteration of the roster but you know this one looks (laughs) looks really good so you know they are uh they're definitely they're definitely in the driver's seat yeah i mean it's interesting i've done like some like on my own some like vod review of of some of the phase games trying to see if i could figure out you know what's different like it's the same Mm -hmm. team from you know from like the first from like the first event in the winter to the last but it doesn't look that way 
And yeah. you think about it, and I think that Roll Diz needs to get a lot of credit here too, because mm-hmm. First Killer does ball chase. That is most of his game. Ball chase, boost, steal, bump, just be an absolute, you know, gremlin to to uh, to throw the other team off. But they've found people in Sipical who's going to stay home and is a very good defender, and he can shoot really well. And then Mist, who is really that you know anchor in the midfield, in my opinion. And so mm-hmm. first killer is going to go and make you panic and throw the ball away. And all of a sudden, you know, instead of, you know, no one being there, now all of a sudden Sipical has 100 boost sitting on the wall with the ball. Like, how, did, how did that happen? How did he get so much time and space? It's because first killer is doing what first killer does. And he's finally found a team where I think that, that and it's another one of those like esports buzzwords, right? Trust. Like, oh, you got to trust your teammates. But, like, he does, and you can see it because there are times First Killer is going to go for a solo play, and all of a sudden, I would imagine it looks like at least that, you know, Sipical or Mist is going to say, leave it. And he does. He trusts his teammates to make the plays, that his teammates trust him to, to leave it, to to make the plays for him. So, I mean, I, I can't give enough credit to, to First Killer, to FaZe, to Roll Diz. They've made a drastic turnaround in the split and they deserve to be where they are yeah and they're they're also a super smart team you know that's something that we're starting to see like the kind of cream rise to the crop in north america and in in europe as well but you know Genji and phase have kind of dominated respectively i mean you know it's it's kind of a, a two-horse race between them in an a and they're both two teams that i i think are uh, incredibly instinctively smart teams. They know how to play off of each other. It seems like a lot of the balls and that they're kind of playing into, you know, whatever they're trying to set up. Like they, they, they play differently on, on the pitch, but both of them are trying to be very intentional about what they're doing. And it's the same with Carmine core. I mean, those are three teams who all play totally different, but they're all looking to make, um, intentional plays and with phase in particular like if you're going to have first killer be a ball chaser and kind of you're just trying to fully unlock him to his to his fullest so he can go super saiyan mode to get two really smart players around him in mist and sipical who they're like they're playing and they're awesome in their own right but really a lot of what i would assume they're doing is kind of just playing off of first killer and being very malleable to kind of fit what he needs and you know it's 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 working super well so this is going to be a, a real a real prove it um for phase i mean can you imagine if they get another fourth place i mean you'd almost rather them go out in the quarterfinals like at a certain point i think you just get so deep into your own head irregardless of who you are like i i i, I don't think it's it's always fair to like project the mentality of other people onto them. But man, if, if you go and get fourth again, I mean, you basically have to sell all hope that at the next time they'll kind of get over that hump. It, it just gets, you know, you're kind of like callousing a wound. You're just continually just, you know, building upon it. So I, I would be nothing but super thrilled if, if they end up kind of, you know, pulling it off and, and winning this. I think First Killer deserves it. I think Sipical and Mist are awesome players. I think Rold is, is the most valuable at majors. They didn't really have a vocal leader beforehand. He's someone who can, 
you know, get them hyped and animated and kind of, you know, into the moment and things like that. So they're really good, but uh, there's a lot of good European teams too. So There are. But I'm, I'm glad you bring up, like, that phase seems more malleable because, in my opinion, that's a pretty big dichotomy between Gen G, where yeah. I think that phase maybe has more individual talent and skill, and mm-hmm. the the way that phase is built is to allow first killer to do what first killer does. And that's a sustainable thing because first killer is able to do what first killer does. But then you look at Gen G, they make the extra pass. They look for teammates. The infield passes, the fakes, their challenges are a lot better with, you know, Nolly and Apjack coming from EU. Their midfield game seems to be, you know, head and shoulders above the NA team. So it seems like, you know, their suff- their offense is suffocating they're never like they're very rarely on defense and they play at least it would appear like from the eye test it shows um you know most of their goals come off of assists most of their goals are team plays whether that's a a bump or you know a pass and so it's it's interesting to see because in my eyes the the team plays the bumps the infield passes are the most sustainable and the easiest to continue to replicate mm-hmm. right like we're if if you if you you're relying on you know a double flip reset or you know that extra touch on a on a challenge that you know maybe the nerves get to you at a LAN event maybe the nerves get to you maybe the crowd gets to you maybe you're you know a little bit more nervous whereas you know genji appears to be just solid methodical and like rhythmic i guess would be a, a word i would use to describe it yeah, I mean that's a that's a really great adjective to describe them and you know when you're thinking about play styles that translate to LAN, I know that this was a conversation back when we were first starting to kind of get LANs rolling again to start last season, but it was kind of that uh that argument of which play style is better, one that's pretty grounded and um pretty straightforward or one that is highly mechanical. Um, can you kind of translate a highly mechanical solo centric play style to an event that's in front of that many people or will you kind of fumble it like uh if if it's like football it's like um if you get to the super bowl like would you rather have like an air raid offense that is just a ton of passing and like who knows how it'll kind of go or do you just want to be a really physical run team and you just know that you can run and that won't really get to you like a crowd and that's kind of the, the the difference there too. Like, you know, with Gen G in particular, it's a lot of passing plays. It's a lot of communication. It's a lot of um, they actually get a lot more shots up than people would think. I think they're the only team that's above ten shots per game um, between Europe and NA coming into this event. But you know, it's just a team that they can hurt you from so many different spots. Like, it's not you don't know what's necessarily coming. Like with Liquid, the team that you have the streak with. You know what it is. Can you stop it is a whole different thing. But you know what Liquid is going to do. It's going to be this boa constrictor pressure. They're going to take your corners. They're just going to try and suffocate you, make you panic on your own back wall, and just flub one to them so they can, you know, drill one in your net. And just that over and over again. But it's incredibly mechanical. I think we're both going to get drunk if we're playing the shot game. (laughs) But it's solo plays, it's aerial plays, it's going for physicality to try and create space. Can something like that, where you're relying on flip resets, 
is that something that can consistently win you games on an international stage? We're yet to see it, but we know Gen G with this kind of, you know, passing style, this this rhythmic play style like you were talking about, we know for sure that that works because, I mean, hey, they already won one. And BDS won a world championship with it, yeah. in my opinion. Yep, agreed. And, uh, well, BDS. <laughs> yeah. We won't. We don't have to get into that into yeah, that but... can of worms. But even last season, right? They were really volatile. They won the winter major, and then in spring they were bounced super early. Um, they they went zero and three. That's when they lost to Pioneers to leave the event. That was when and they when they first pulled in Seiko. When they first Mark, pulled in Seiko, and then they win a world championship. It's just like ah, I don't know. Just but... BDS things. Yeah, just exactly, just BDS. Things. Like, there's not really any other way to describe it, right? And like, and then I feel like the last thing I have to touch on for the for like team specific for the major is G two, right? They, mm. at least in my, they're always there, they're always in the picture. They their roster has been a consistent almost as much as NRGs has. Um, mm. They always seem to perform when they when they they need to. They never seem to have enough to to put them over the edge to 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 make it to the peak, but. I mean, there are times when, you know, suffocating pressure from G2, it looks like Atomic has been the exact addition that they need to kind of fully unlock Chicago and JNAPs. And, you know, it seems like they have pressure for two minutes. The shots aren't coming. Like, the shots aren't on net. They can't find anything, like, that to push towards net. And then all of a sudden, it's in their net. They, you know, they got long, clear gold on. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, like, you see G2 do so much right, and then they don't they don't complete complete the game complete the series all right they played NRG a few times recently and i think are quite frankly the best word that i could use are lucky to have survived those series they didn't win they just didn't lose yeah real scrappy those series for sure i mean i i think something that is incredibly important that you said to kind of open up your thoughts was they're always there i think that's really all you can ask for at the highest level like we have so many teams that are kind of a flash in the pan where it's like uh like m80 this this time around and i mean to be fair they were still kind of there but it's like uh oh m80 like oh man they take down phase they have a competitive series i think they lost to complexity in the in the semis there uh it's like oh man this could kind of be a new team and it's like nope it's not how it works. You have to continually be there, especially if you're trying to make these lands. And hey, you know, we're, we just came off of on the heels of talking about these legacy teams, right? BDS kind of had their, their you know, uh, they were really there and now they're struggling. NRG was really there. Now they're struggling. I mean, the list goes on and on, but G2 are just continuously just trotting along and continuing to make these events and you know that they're they they just want, they won a major last last season like they're still a very viable roster so you know irregardless of their ranking coming into this i i came out with way too early rankings and and g2 are definitely in my top six teams going into this um so i i would not be shocked if if they pull one off i wouldn't either i mean they're certainly in and like I'll transition a little bit to looking forward to to the major here. Um, looking at groups, um, I'll, I'll put you on the spot a little bit and ask for a prediction. Um, 
and then you know I'll I'll do one and in, in you know I'll, I'll give you what mine are and they'll inevitably I'll I'll be wrong but of course it with only in this new kind of format moving away from the Swiss like we had from from past splits um, and the World Championships it's you know the, the the group format right you're only losing one team per group and in my opinion there's there's kind of there's two groups where I think that there's one team that's you know, a little bit lagging behind the rest. And there's, you know, two groups that it'll be a bloodbath. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that G2 has every opportunity to make it out of the group stage, especially in their group. I think that there is one team in there that has not been, that I, I don't know that is up to standard with the other two. So I, I think the, the phase, G2 phase, is going to be a real, like, temperature check on where both of those teams are. Yeah, and, and luckily, if you're, I mean, I, I guess if we're kind of putting on our G2 hats for a second, I think you're pumped about the way that it that it breaks out here where you have phase to kind of wrap things up. I mean, you have kind of have it laid out in front of you where I think they're starting off um, uh, crew. Are they playing crew first? Yeah, crew, yeah, they, then G1, then phase. They go back to back on teams that are comprised almost fully of players that will be rookies at the international stage. None of the crew players have been to a LAN before. Um, we haven't seen Atomic or Dorito. Um, we saw Dorito if you want to count Gamers 8, but in an in a official RLCS format, that team is almost fully comprised of rookies as well. So to be able to close out with FaZe, you just need one, right? Like you just need to win one of these series and you're effectively a lock to make it to the playoffs. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know if it's if it's gonna you know go to a tiebreaker kind of deal i think phase are probably gonna look pretty good against those teams but you know i i think you're not uh over the moon about this group if you land in it if you're phase in g2 like especially phase if you're the highest seed this isn't like an awesome group sam is a question mark who knows what that team's gonna look like g1 are really feisty offensively they're going to turn that into a track meet at least they're going to try to um and then g2 they've just you know they've definitely seen a lot of one another so if you're phase i don't think you're like throwing a parade for this being your one seated group um but you know what do you uh what do you think is going to break down for group a i uh, in my original prediction i had uh phase topping the group and crew being eliminated yeah i mean fair you know like i don't know it's just so tough like like you were saying before it's just we always are gonna get something wrong here like we're gonna oh, look sure. back at this and be like dang crew was the top of the group or like you know like there's just gonna be at least one team that is just gonna totally shock us in a in a positive way and one team is gonna totally shock us in a negative way like you know g2 totally limp through the fall major they got 0 by power, which is probably the most embarrassing result of the season so far. Um, no shade to power, but G2 should not be A, losing to them, but B, getting 0 by them. So, like, would I fall out of my chair if you told me that G2 get eliminated from this group? Like, no, I, d I don't. I wouldn't bet on it or anything. But I think um, Crew is just such a question mark for me that you could put them anywhere, but I don't feel awesome about g1 either um i kind of was waving a red flag before we got into the invitational and 
lo and behold, they, they win the tiebreaker and make it here in the first place. But uh, maybe it's my hometown bias, but I feel pretty good about the two NA teams in this group. Okay. That's fair. And then moving on to Group B, and we, we've both mentioned and talked about Falcons. They, I feel like they can either top this group or they can crash out. I don't know that there's a whole lot of in-between stuff on that one. I, I think that personally looking at the teams that are there, I am the least confident in Dignitas. And they, mm. make their, they make the roster change. Evo has looked good. Um, you know, they, I mean, they, they had some good results, but in, in my personal opinion, they lucked out uh, kind of just like default, by default making the major. Yeah. And um, I, in my personal opinion i i have dignitas being eliminated out of this group yeah i mean they got to miss some pretty significant teams in a on their kind of road to make it here i mean the big st- series that'll kind of you know go into the into the into the history books was the win over space station that goes five basically whoever wins that is in the driver's seat to make the major and you know dignitas just uh ended up coming coming up with the win there and you know who knows what that's going to mean for space station but back to the group looking at falcons to kind of hop off here i just feel like historically they've shown us time and time again that they're momentum based and really rough to draw carmine core for your first for your first round there i think if they win that series they they probably 3-0 i i think if they kind of can get it into their head that they can compete with the best team in europe and then they go on to vitality who's you know, dragging along two rookies and they have the Zen thing looming over them. Like they're, they're literally not only playing at their first land, but they're quite honestly playing for their spot on this team. Like if, if they're trying to go a four man roster and they're looking to see who's going to go alongside most likely Zen and alpha, if you're Redosin and Sizen, I mean, lot of pressure on them so i feel like they could probably take that series and then to close things out with dignitas um i'd feel pretty good if i'm falcons if they if they win the first one but they could go totally sideways otherwise um i am really interested to see how competitive dignitas is going to be i mean andy has been able to make the most of this opportunity he's kind of been around for a while on a lot of teams that have had a little bit of buzz but have never really made a lot of noise Dree's now on his third team going to a LAN event, which is pretty cool. He goes G2, then Optic, and now he's he's kind of dragging along Dignitas here. And, uh, you know, we'll see what we get with Evo. He's been awesome in a couple of these series. Nay, transcendent in a couple of these series oh. offensively. But, uh, but, you know, this is the big stage, so we'll see what they look like. But uh, I honestly, like... It could be wrong. If you're going to twist my arm, I think Vitality might be looking at an early exit from this group. Um, this is just a, this is a pretty rough one for them. But that's also if Falcons start out hot and everything like that. So yeah, if they show up, like we know, it's a lot of if thens exactly. Yeah. But that's my take. And now to the the spiciest group of them all. <laughs> Group C with an OCE team, a Sam team, and Gladiators. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you go first on this one. 
I mean, you know, is it weird to start with gladiators? It'll it'll be cool to see if they're competitive. I really don't think so, but you know, it's cool to see a team that isn't elevate make it here just to kind of see what the region looks like. Um, and even that team in and of itself, it's all transplants. It's Max U and OSM who aren't uh, native to the region. So, you know, we're kind of getting some more uh, import talent. Granted, they're there for reasons that aren't what James Cheese slash Elevator are there for. But, uh, you know, I think really this is just a, it's a proving ground for one of these top two teams. We're either going to see Team Secret show up and we're all going to remember why they were so good at the fall major, or we're going to, you know, start to solidify some strong opinions on Team Liquid. Uh, but they historically have been a team that play with their food and kind of take things deep and lose some series that they shouldn't. You know, they were always a round five team when we had Swiss last time around. So, you know, if you're liquid, the, you should be looking at this as kind of a statement group here and, and lock up a one seed kind of heading into the playoffs. But uh, there's some feisty teams. Like, who knows what ground zero is going to look like, you know? And I like the, I love the addition of Super Locky for them. I think that that was a, oh, yeah. not a great move from Pioneers, personally. Awful move. I mean, he's won the, like, I, I kept calling it the Super Locky grudge match, right, in OCE. And Pioneers won one out of the out of the three meetings of of super of ground zero and pioneers and it was a like not super like dominant i think f tier move i think so too but i think that they could surprise some people i think that i mean i'm i'm sticking with the the hot hand i think that this is liquid's kind of coronation on the on the world stage i think that they have been looking really good i think uh, their coach xpair has done a great job being like a calming presence for them because they have they have the mechanical ability, uh, you know, drink again. Um, Another shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have the ability. They've looked really good. They've they've you know for this split I'll talk about they've been there, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's talking about Carmine Corp. Everyone's talking about how good they look, how dominant they are. Liquids won a regional. Liquids been top four. Liquids been there. They're the number two seed in in EU for a region for a reason and. You know, I think that they will continue to look good. Um, I am higher on Elevate than Game and Gladiators, personally. I think that they are, you know, they, they certainly played a fantastic series to be able to get themselves into this major. But if you look back to, you know, the the fall major, Elevate doesn't even take a single a single match in, in, yep. in the event before crashing out. And I, I mean, maybe they take a game or two, but I, I really don't see, I really don't see that they've differentiated themselves enough to, to think, you know, any, anybody else is being eliminated from this group. Totally agreed. It's exciting, but it's kind of what we saw at the world championships with like, um, who was there? Like Gaiman was there pirates, um, pirates XD or whatever. Um, just some of these teams that are just kind of a warm up Tokyo Verity, like yeah. a lot of these teams that it's like, you know, thanks for showing up, but, Good experience, you know, good uh, exposure, exactly. but the region's just not there yet. The parity's just not there, exactly. Um, so that region, or that group rather, is just a complete blessing for Team Secret and Liquid. But, you know, I just, I'm really nervous about Liquid as a, as a, like you said, they've looked way better this split, but just based on their 
historical track record of giving some teams some chances that they probably shouldn't being very up and down on their results game to game and series to series this could be this could get rocky pretty quick i mean can you imagine like they're starting out against ground zero what if ground zero comes out and punches them in the mouth and you know take the first two games i mean it could go sideways really quick but you know i i guess it's a double-edged sword with always being an up and down team even if you lose a couple maybe you're like yeah no we're fine and you know maybe they just storm back but you know i i feel the most comfortable about team secret which is weird to say um effectively just on one result but you know we, we saw different iterations of those teams like sad and night were around previously kv1 was great when the club made the world championship run so they have a little bit more um resume than than people might think but uh yeah that's that's an interesting group even though it's it's probably the weakest of the four yeah and then that brings us to the last group uh mm. G, oxygen complexity and pioneers um like like we talked about previously i think that the that dropping super locky was a net negative move for pioneers and it showed then they're not first place in their in their region anymore um i think that you know oxygen will get it together i think that rise will have had enough time to recover from his broken hand mm-hmm. um i think gen g will you know they'll probably drop one game in groups because that's like the kind of thing that they do um but i i, I think that it's got i, I think it's going to be pioneers that drop out of this group it would be you know kind of giving benefit of the doubt to a lot of teams in the field i would be pretty shocked if pioneers took a series in this group just really strong i mean even having complexity as your third out of four teams is like just not what you'd hope for you'd hope to kind of maybe you know grab like crew or maybe like a dignitas or a g1 but complexity is no joke uh they've looked awesome over the course of this split you know they, they've kind of got their wheels blown off by a couple of these top north american teams but at the international stage definitely not a team that you want to see that you're up against i think if you're oxygen you're kind of foaming at the mouth for this group knowing that you have a chance to go up against genji again who they you know destroyed in the in the swiss stages of the fall major um you know you look at that as an opportunity to kind of prove yourself complexity is a nice kind of barometer for where you are in in the groups here and then you know pioneers is just kind of uh they have like a difficulty sandwich where oxygen have complexity and then they have pioneers and then they're closing out with genji a lot of really awesome round three matchups through and through and i i think a lot of these we're going to be figuring out where people are going to land um, on the last day, I just I, I don't see this land being super clear cut, um, which is exciting, but also uh, terrifying for exercises like what we're doing now. Yeah, for sure. And then that brings us to, uh, I guess, where you get put on the spot the most. Um, oh. Who do you have winning the event? If, if you like, who, who's your prediction to win the whole event? Um, to be super boring and go chalk. I mean, I've been I've been really, really excited about Carmine Core since basically the beginning of the fall split i think on the wave dash podcast i i said after the after the open i was like this is gonna at the end of the year be 
one of the best teams in the world. I think they're right there. I mean, they should hopefully have a chip on their shoulder from having a meltdown when they faced Moist in the fall major. They got one forward in front of basically a home crowd. Yeah, so it's probably beneficial that they're going to the U.S. for for this kind of go-around, but I think they're kind of the the front-runners here. I think Jinji have the strongest mental. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to twist my arm, I'd probably say Carmine Core, but I think there's really strong arguments for six teams here, and I'd listen to arguments for probably three additional teams too. Okay. And... um then we usually like to do like a, a prediction like that we think is going to happen and then like a hot take, right? And so my hot take from like the, the you know, the winter, um, why can't I think? The winter cup in EU was uh, Team Liquid make a grand finals. Mm. And oh, that, I... that ended up being a good one. Yeah, but, that was a good one. Yeah, so what was your kind of hot take something either something that you'd like to see happen or something that you know not a lot of people would expect you know out of all of these teams that aren't the the front runners here you know and we're, we're kind of talking about that top group is probably Jinji, phase carmine is probably the the top rung for a lot of people um i think oxygen deserves some real um at least consideration for leaping into that group especially if they can take down Jinji. Um, to kind of get things rolling there. Um, that's a team that has a lot, a lot of top-end talent. I mean, when they first came up with that roster, the discourse online was, this is the most talented team in the world. And that was when they had Oli. So to go and add Rise, who, you know, Shift had him as the second best player in the world, I think, or maybe third. Would they go first killer? It doesn't matter. Rise was a top three player. So to add him in here, especially three players who are known for elevating their performance in a land setting. I think Rise is a massive upgrade for kind of a floor general at uh, at an international level like this. So that's a team that I look at who, if we kind of fast forward three months and Oxygen win this whole thing, I think um, I think it'll have been pretty like obvious that we that we missed it. Um, just with all the talent that's on that roster. I mean, you could make a strong argument that Jory's is the third best player on that team, which, you know, two months ago felt like sacrilege to even say. So that's a really strong team that should look even better uh, offline than they have been online. Um, but that's my hot take. Or maybe it's a hot take and a prediction, but that's cheating. So let okay. me think of something else. No, that's a good one. I think uh, that that is a really good one. I don't think a lot of people are really kind of considering oxygen as one of those because like you think about it right and you're like okay well who's gonna who's gonna win the who's gonna win the the event and you're like okay well you think phase gen g from me from na you think carmine corp maybe team liquid from eu and then the list kind of stops there yeah and so having oxygen up in that tier i think is a, is a good one i think that it's something that not a lot of people will put a lot of stock in especially that at their performances against uh carmine corp in in the past on online so I, I think that that's a that's a very valid one, and I'd be I will be very very interested to see what happens. Nice, I got a good one, on the spot too. I feel good about it. Hell yeah! And then um, before I have one more question, but before we get to that question, um, I 
thought I would uh, roll out the red carpet. If you want to plug, you know, your social medias, your YouTube, I'll put the, you know, your, your pod, your podcast, I will put the, the links in the description, but if you had anything coming up or anything that you wanted to talk about, go for it. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, at Bel Air Baller on Twitter and YouTube, those are really the only two um, places that I exist with my content. Um, Twitter is, like you're saying up top, a lot of kind of statistics analysis. Um, I do some rewatches of, of games and kind of putting some some stuff up there. And then YouTube is is really some some deeper analysis, um, a lot more kind of uh, cumulative stats and things of that nature. Um, I just put out a video about Gen G as we head into this event and kind of where they should fall within the context here. Um, and I'm working on uh, a video about speed historically in the RLCS from season one to present day, which should be coming out soon. So that's my uh, that's my that's my spiel, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Well, I will uh, link all of the social medias in the episode description of this one. And um, as this is the Boost Over Ball podcast, I got to hit you with when is the best time to go boost over ball? Oh my gosh, the best time to go for boost over ball is all the time. You know, strap down, strap down your boost button. Don't even think about your teammates. Don't calm at all. Just say I got it constantly, need boost constantly. Um, but in in practicality, the best time to go for boost over ball is if you're a team like Liquid who's creating a lot of pressure because the way to sustain pressure is by contiguously taking corner boosts, and that's something that Oski and Atal specifically do incredibly well. If you look at the data, uh, they are two people who are both in the top 10 for stealing big corner boosts, uh, so that is what allows them to do liquid things. Uh, hopefully that was a, a good two-part answer. Oh, that's a fantastic <laughs> answer. One of the one of the best answers we got, and I have it in the intro of our like I made our like an intro song, and it's Stack saying, "I heard it. all the time, you got to have a full hundred <laughs> to go celebrate with the other team." You got so, to exactly, yeah. and then like Lachlan, if you're a boost merchant, someone like AJ, yeah, yep, there we go. You gotta have it, yeah, you gotta yeah, have it for sure. But um, thank you so so much for for taking the time to to join us and join me and. Uh, I, I loved hearing the stats. I loved hearing your, your take on things. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Hey, pumped to be here. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, it was a it was a great time chatting with you, and uh, we're gonna see what the major's gonna look like. I I I feel I don't know what it is, but I just got a, a, a tickle in my belly that your predictions might might continue on. Eh, we'll, we'll see how uh, we'll see how Liquid's gonna look here. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Thank you again. Yeah. Of course, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Boost Over Ball podcast.